Trauma and laughs contains topics that might be unsettling or triggering for some individuals. Listener discretion is advised as these episodes can sometimes be graphic in nature. Our goal for this podcast is to shed light on dark topics with a few laughs in between. We hope that you enjoy the show. It's Traumaraudery. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. Wow! Oh, there she Okay, she's in now. Now she's in the voice oh. channel. Hello? Hello? Hi! Hi! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> I was worried that this wasn't going to work. <laughs> she probably heard the, fir- the first... Did you just hear me scream? Because if so, I'm very sorry. No, I missed the scream. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> This is- yeah, I was like, I don't, I'm just gonna like click around. And I was like, there's someone on here. I don't even know who that is. And I'm like, I, uh, here's general. And then I just clicked on the icon and then it did a fun little sound. And here I am. Yeah. So oh, I'm so sorry. Good. We were using Zoom and like, um, it had like a time on it and an, a time limitation. And so we needed to come up with a different system and some people were recommending Discord. Well, great. I think, uh, you know, we're not going to, cover enough in 40 minutes <laughs> so yeah no. no but it'll be okay like well we already were like we start later and because yeah. I'm nine hours ahead so it's oh. always like yeah I'm in Holland so it's like always a big thing of okay how are we gonna do this and so we'll start later and then like you know ending a little bit later it's not a problem but I have to get up at like 5 a.m oh my gosh so what morning. time is it for you right now it's 7 15 at night oh okay yeah 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 so I was like okay we're gonna we have to make sure that I don't get bed like too late because I'm gonna be a mess in the morning totally and with a story like mine I'll like give you nightmares (laughs) Uh (laughs) she she, like starts right away okay because I I'm extremely 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 curious like we have yeah, we, we have some. Have. We 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 both have like some pretty bad um, birth people. stories. Yeah, yeah, but we always. Um, I think usually we get around people, and then they're like, "Well, how was your birth story?" And like, you feel kind of bad because they start off with birth stories of, "Well, you know, like I was pushing and I pooped," and I'm like, "Oh, that's sad for you. Like that sucks." <laughs> but if that's like the worst thing that you had, sweetie, then. <laughs> I'm just not going to say anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. It's tricky because everyone wants to greet pregnancy and birth with, um, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And it's like, "Mm." and so it's hard. It's a hard topic because people don't want to welcome this kind of stuff when we're talking about um, birth and babies and becoming a mother. So it is, it's tricky. Yeah, it is. It is a very tricky topic. It is. Yeah. And this year, I think for us, it's been like just the idea of birth in general has been kind of like a traumatic. So I'm really curious to know what you went through. And all I have to say is I'm very happy that you have your son, um, still with you yeah yeah from what I from what I understood yes and so I we really want to know but we um let's first start off with um this is Victoria May Victoria can I ask you a question like what how do you how do you like to be called like is is it Victoria or I love Victoria and then um Tori is my preferred nickname over Vicky which People tend to want to shorten my name. And so 
Um, I, I prefer Tori over yeah. Vicky. I think yeah. Tori is super cute. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Isn't that cute? Oh, I love the name Victoria. And especially May, like Victoria May. Oh my God. You know that what's so funny so... about that? Oh. We just got a cat. We just took a cat in from um, my boyfriend's grandma who moved out of his parents' house recently to like a retirement home. And she had to give up all of her cats, and we took one in, and her name is Maggie May. And I just think oh, that's so cute. Yes. <laughs> And May always has to end with the E. Like yes. in like it just has to. Yeah. And the e. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's so cute. Thank um, you. So yeah, for all of our listeners, this is Victoria. Thank you so much again for like reaching out to us. And um we're just really excited to hear your story. So whenever you're ready to give us the tea. Awesome. Yeah. Um I will kick it off. So I am a mother of two children. And I actually had pretty traumatic experiences with both of their births. Um, But my son, my second birth was the really bad one. But I will just kind of give you a summary of my my firstborn um, because it it matters. There's context. So um, yeah, but I always feel like if you like it, it doesn't. How do I explain that? Like I always feel like the history of the first it kind of always comes into play with the second or the third. Like it's every single birth that you've had, like it just, the history of it always kind of meshes into the second and the, it it always. So yes. Totally. Yeah. It's like a total thread. Yeah. Um, so I had my daughter five years ago. Um, her due date was Halloween and, you know, my witchy heart was oh like super excited about that. <laughs> I was like, um, that's so cute. <laughs> and so Halloween came and went and, uh, you know, I was like, okay, no Halloween baby. But my water broke um, at 3.30 that morning the next day. So oh, wow. November 1st. Um, and I did choose a hospital birth Um rather than a home birth, which was sort of something I wanted to explore. Um, But everyone in my family really didn't support that idea. And we live in the country. You know, it's a good 45 minutes to the hospital. And everyone was just like, you know, just birth in a hospital like a normal person, you know. Is it maybe because... Is it maybe because of, I mean, at least that's what, that's, that's what I had. And I, I don't like out here in Holland, like home births are way, way more normal than, um, in the U S but I, is it maybe because of like history? Does your family like have history of like, well, I would yeah, say like, bad so birthing stories, like traumatic births or that completely, which is, okay. you know, they were using their own fear, um, and their own experience and their unresolved trauma because, you know, um, in the generation of our grandparents and parents, you know, they don't, they didn't work on their shit. Like they just nope. didn't work on it. Oh, um, God, that. <laughs> yeah. So my grandma in particular was really like, like, Oh my God, what is wrong with you? Um, you know, just, just do this like a normal person, you know, everyone me really made it seem like I was choosing something kind of dangerous, you know? And, um, yeah. So I did decide for a hospital birth and the um, policy, what they'd like to see is, you know, if your water breaks and a certain amount of hours have gone by, but even if you haven't started labor, we're more focused on the number of hours we want you to come in. Mm-hmm. And so 
we went in and it was all feeling like, I don't know, I kind of already just feeling nervous about the whole thing, you know, like this isn't kind of what I wanted. And, um, I, I learned this lesson the very hard way. Cause I certainly am not this much of like a people pleaser anymore. Um, but, um, I did what I thought I was supposed to do, went into the hospital and, you know, sure enough, they induced me. They started me on Pitocin, which yeah. is not what I wanted at all. Um, so fast forward to the complications that naturally arise when you're induced. Um, and I did end up going in for a C-section and my daughter was born with low blood sugar, which I think my mama instinct, you know, this hasn't been confirmed, but my mama instinct is that it was because of the Pitocin or at least the Pitocin rock in my, my world. And then her ro- world was rocked as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they couldn't stabilize the blood sugar for a few days. So she ended up having to go to the more um, like city hospital and transferred via ambulance. And it was like really fucked up. I was yeah. like, this is, this is not how it was supposed to be. Like, this is not how it was supposed to be. Um, so, you know, trauma in that birth as well, but I was, I, I, I healed from my C-section really, really well. I was able to bond with my daughter really well. She nursed well, and I was pretty much able to say, okay, I'm going to just put that behind me. Right. Um, and not do this again for my second birth. Yeah. Ugh. So, <laughs> um, two years later, I get pregnant with my son and, it happened. I should also mention that my first pregnancy, it took a long time. I experienced some infertility and I did have a miscarriage. And so it was like two years of getting pregnant with my little girl. Yeah. But my son was just like, boom. he was like, he was like ready. Yeah. He was ready to join <laughs> us. <laughs> so they I was al- like, oh, okay. They also say that once your body has like experienced pregnancy, um, it's really easy to get pregnant again afterwards. That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. completely. I've heard that too. And there's also kind of an, you ha- your body has a little bit more ease about it. Like that first baby, you really want it. And then that second baby, you're not so focused and stressed out, yeah, which is like preventing you from getting pregnant. I also heard that your body sort of remembers like what it needs to do naturally to like help the baby grow. And so like you kind of recognize all the signs that you're feeling in your body. And so like it, I've heard, I don't know if that's for every woman. I know every pregnancy is different, but that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, like the blueprint was, was laid out that first time. And then, yeah. Um, so got pregnant really easy, easily with my son and, um, you know, went through my pregnancy. It was difficult. I had my daughter, but, you know, like did, did my thing and um, decided to go to the hospital where my daughter was transferred to the NICU because, you know, now I'm afraid. And in my head, it's like, well, if something happens to the baby, at least we're at the NICU because I really don't want to have to go through the whole ambulance thing again. Yeah. Um, And so we decided to just go to that hospital and I made absolutely sure that I was trusting my instincts and saying, you know, I really want to advocate for myself in this birth. And I had a really bad experience with Pitocin. And if I'm in labor and you suggest Pitocin, I'm honestly going to turn around and say, 
you better just wheel me into the operating room and give me a C-section because I am not have Pitocin. Like, and I said that a lot in my prenatal appointments and I was really feeling confident that the, the point was getting across to them. Um, well, so a little about like the U S maternal health system, it's like really, it's just messed up. And so when you go to, to an OB practice in a in a hospital, you see a rotating team of OBs and midwives. And so you're never actually with a doctor. You're just seeing a different doctor every time you establish a relationship with them, hopefully. And then whoever you get in labor is who you get. Yep. That's what I dealt with too. Yeah. Yeah, And like, I didn't, I don't like that. That's messed up to me. Um, because surprise, surprise, I go into labor and the midwife on call at the hospital was the one I had only seen one time. Oh my gosh. And so it's like, you know, you're doing all this work to express your, um, your needs and just advocating for yourself. And like, um, this is, this is my autonomy here and this is your job to respect it. Right. Um, so I'm in labor and I, I had a completely different type of labor, um, than with my daughter. And I was actually experiencing a lot more pain Mm. and I, and I wasn't even induced yet. And I was just like, what is happening? And so once my water broke with my son and I started to experience like this really, really intense, sharp, sharp pain, um, I was like, can I have an epidural, please? Like I need an epidural. And I thought maybe if I had an epidural last time, maybe it would have been different. I would have relaxed a little bit more. I would have been able to push the baby out, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they got me on the epidural and the epidural did its thing. And, um, I was pain free but you're strapped to the bed then at that point and you're not moving around, which is like what you're supposed to be doing in labor. So oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard. It's really <laughs> hard. Been there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but perhaps my pain, you know, and this is what I'm thinking in hindsight, perhaps my pain was indicating the thing that ended up going wrong. Um, and not like an, not like the contraction pain that I'm supposed to be feeling. Um, and so, you know, I labored through the night and then the epidural caused my contractions to slow down. Oh man. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck. Um, yeah. Modern medicine is absolutely amazing in some ways and in other ways. It's it's like debilitating. It like, it takes away from what it actually needs to be doing. Right. Like your body is supposed to be, um, you're supposed to be pushing, but when you're numb, like how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. And actually that's a really good point that um, one of my favorite midwives that I follow now, cause I'm like obsessed with this kind of thing. Um, she made that point where she was like, you know, if you have an epidural and you're trying to bear down and push this baby out, you know, if you look at the birthing person, you'll see that they're bearing their arms down and all of like that energy is going to their arms and yeah. cause they can't feel the bottom part of their body. And so, uh, you know, a different kind of cascade of, of I have, interventions. After, I'm so sorry. I just have to remember that I want to talk about why women are put in positions that they are during birth now, mm-hmm. um, which is not the way that we should be birthing children at all. Like not at you were all. saying. So <laughs> I do want to touch on that, but continue your story. Yeah, like birthing on the back thing is actually not anatomically. No, it was for a fetish. At all. <laughs> 
Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so true though. And like all this stuff that I'm learning now, I'm like, oh my God, where was this five years ago? But yeah. anyway, I'm, you know, this is, I have to tell my story. That's why it happened to me because yes. I have a story to tell now. Yes. Um. So surprise, surprise, the midwife comes over to me and says, your contractions are slowing down. Now, typically what we want to do next is start you on Pitocin, but we know you didn't want Pitocin. And I'm looking at her like, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're right about that. Thanks for remembering that. Oh my God. I and would have been so pissed. <laughs> How many hours have wait? How many hours have you been? Have you been oh, in labor? over twenty four at this point? Okay, over twenty four at this point, and on the epidural for like twelve. Okay, or less. Yeah, yeah. So. Anybody listening right now who doesn't have kids is like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I know, okay. and that's why it's so. It's like I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, don't be. So like, okay, so I had, there's lessons learned here and that's kind of, I'll touch on that. It's not it's so much always, that like, it's, it's always, it's always hindsight, you know? Yeah. It's always hindsight. And, um, there was a lot that I know I did wrong too. And not, not to like, you oh know, yeah, no, or anything, but I totally get that. I have the same thing. And when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. But did they at least when she walked up to you, did she say it in a way of, you know what, look like, okay, this is what, what we're going through right now with you and normally we would do this but since you don't want it or was she at least a little bit understanding did you at least get a vibe from her that they were like trying to listen to you yeah or were they trying to manipulate you it was coercion basically yeah so um what ended up happening is just classic coercion it was we know you don't want this but this and this and this is happening, you know, and their bedside manner is, you know, they're trained to do this, I guess, or at least in the medical industrial complex, you they're think, like trained yeah. to have this <laughs> bedside manner of like, so what you're saying is good or bad, you know, it's like <laughs> you're trying to read them and can't. So, um, she said, there's a doctor, like the doctor, um, who handles like a lot of the monitoring wants to start you on Pitocin. And I'm like, well, didn't I, didn't I say this whole time that you could just like give me the C-section? Cause I don't want Pitocin. And they're like, yeah, we know, but it will be just a whiff. It's just a whiff. So this is what they're saying to me now. Um, basically saying, we know you didn't want this, but this is like our policy. And the only thing we know how to do or what to do next and, um, you know, and then trying dicks. to convince me. Yeah. Yeah. And then like trying to convince me, um, that, oops, I just got distracted by, I'm on in your stories. Um, <laughs> I, I ha- okay. <laughs> We're going to have to edit that out. Cause I totally fucked up on something. <laughs> so just, just, ignore it. I'm going to do, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to tag you again. So just, just ignore that. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah. So like some doctor monitoring wants to start you on Pitocin, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, so frustrated, but now I've been laboring and laboring and I'm like over it. Um, and of course they do the thing where they're like, talk it over, talk it over with your husband. And then they walk away and we're just like, they don't want to give me the cesarean. Um, understandably so right because like you don't want like I'm sure a lot of birthing women say just do like just give me the c-section and they're fine because it's 
you know, it's intense. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I agree to a point. I mean, I think that I can, you know, go back and forth on that, like with how, why they, why they say that and why they don't. I mean, I also, I honestly feel a lot of it, especially in hospitals is, um, how do you say that, Melanie? The cost of like, like, they're, you know, they're, they're the kind of, of also, Expensive? yeah, the cost of, yeah, a C-section is way more expensive than, you know, a little bit of, you know, some, some stuff in an IV and pushing a baby out. That's well, just, it's also, just it's, the way that it is. It's not just that. A, C- a C-section is literally a surgery. So a lot of hospitals of course. will, you know, they, but if they'll you... do everything in their power not to do a C-section. That's like what I gather from hospitals of course but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of like i mean out here at least too it's extremely expensive and so if they can get it to a point where it's at least and i i think i've talked to i don't know how many midwives who's also said it that it, it does get down to a point where it is literally life or death situations that these doctors are still saying no to c-sections oh wow yeah i mean right. it's just it's it's pretty bad so yeah. And so, um, that's another questionable thing that I, that I have that I still don't have the answer to, you know, it's like, should I have just scheduled the C-section? Um, because I knew this was going to happen to me or should I have like tried a home birth because this happened to me because I was in a hospital. Right. So anyway, um, they're like, talk it over with your husband and we're looking at each other. Like, I guess, I guess, I guess so. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine is what we said. And, um, so they started me on Pitocin and. So they did the um, exact same thing that you literally went through with your daughter that you had been advocating the entire time that you didn't want to do. And you were coerced, sorry, you were coerced by, uh, the midwife, the midwife, right? Which is, which is crazy to me that a midwife would suggest that like, I'm sorry. I'm but so if surprised you're... she didn't advocate for me. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like she didn't say to the doctor, "No, no, she doesn't want that." That just doesn't make sense in my brain at all. Like I'm, I'm, I'm already seeing where this is going because you literally went through it with your daughter, and I imagine because of the pain that you had talked about previously that it's going to be even mm-hmm. worse. I'm, I'm already upset. <laughs> like <I'm> really upset. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. So they started to like check me internally um, because I had only been at three centimeters, which was like another weird thing my body does. It's like it didn't get past three centimeters dilated. Um, But after they started me on the Pitocin, they started checking me again, like after a little while. And they're like, wow, you're seven centimeters, eight centimeters, nine centimeters. And I'm like, whoa, it's working. Okay. Um, Now, meanwhile, there were no other options presented to me, right? There was no like, well, do we want to try and turn the epidural down or off and we can get you moving again? Maybe we can try like positions or, you know, nothing was really presented to me. Um, So then they bring in an OB. Now, I don't know if this was the OB that was like behind the hidden door of like the monitors, Uh, um, but he comes in and he checks me and now I'm starting to sense like something, right? Because they're going, Hmm, huh. (laughs) And starting, starting to ask me questions like, have you ever had any like cervical injuries or surgeries or anything like that? And I'm like, no. (laughs) And I'm screaming on the inside of my head fuck you all get me to the fucking operating room because this is over. This is over. 
Oh my God. And, um, so they're like, we got to get another doctor in here. So they get another doctor in here. She checks me internally. Meanwhile, let's not forget what that means. Like I'm just getting hands shoved up me Yeah. Mm. While, while they're like, Hmm, trying to figure out what's going on. Mm. So then they go and have a little huddle and I'm looking at my husband, like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm, I start to like ball. I'm bawling my eyes out now. I can't imagine the stress that you were Oh, I'm like sweating thinking about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so they come back over and they say, we are feeling the dilation, but we're also feeling what we can only describe as a buttonhole. What? And a, a buttonhole. Which is like, like a little. Not enough for um, your son to come through, basically. Right. So it's like he he being the doctor now who's talking to me is like, you're, you're, you've fully dilated and we can feel like your son, but kind of off to the side, um, of like your cervix and uterus is like this buttonhole. And if you were to like push your son out, we're afraid like something's going to, bad's going to happen and you're going to like tear open. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. So we have to do a C-section. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, of course you do. Could, of course you have to do a C-section. So they wheel me into the operating room. Um, my son is born and, um, he's alive and, um, stuff's kind of still happening and there's like yelling and there's like people rushing into the room. Can we also just like state, like when you go through a cesarean, not only do you have the epidural which means you know you're numb from the waist down you're also I don't know if they gave you anything they probably gave me something when I had my cesarean that makes you really loopy and Mm -hmm. you're not able to really concentrate on what's happening which Mm -hmm. which sucks like you you basically sort of you don't get the full experience of meeting your baby and seeing your baby like you're you're totally. drugged and yeah. it's, it's an awful, yeah, yeah exactly. So c- continue. I just wanted to state that and, for people that have never experienced yeah, it. Yeah. And like you're under the fluorescent lights mm-hmm. and you know, it's you're just in a like, cold ass room. Everything's awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all really awful. <laughs> so, um, the, okay. So my son comes out and he's alive and he gets cleaned up and my husband brings him over to me and I'm like meeting my son in the moment I'm meeting my son, the midwife, now this is a different midwife because the one, last one who coerced me, uh, her gone. shift was over. Yeah, she's gone. Yeah. So um, new midwife is in and she said something, which I can't tell if it's just horrendous or genius, but she goes, I really hope you weren't planning on having more children. <gasps> For real? For real. Wow. And I look at her just dumbfounded, like, what are you talking about? And so then it gets explained to me. You have suffered a uterine rupture. The nine centimeter dilation we thought we were feeling was the tear in your uterus. Oh, my. Are you serious? The buttonhole off to the side is your cervix not having dilated past three centimeters. That okay, so, so wait, so awful. they, so it like turned and they could feel the rupture. 
Yeah, exactly. So they were feeling the rupture. And I'm like, didn't it feel different? Like, like, yeah, like you would think that medical people professionals would feel the difference. Yeah. And the thing is, is that they were just all of them just sticking their, their hands inside of you like, yippee. And it was just a freaking like gigantic cut. So I, like, I am in so yep. much. I like, I, I are you cringing? I like, are you cringing? I, ha- I have this thing sometimes. I don't know if anyone else, like, I think Amanda maybe understands this. Like when you talk about something that's painful or like, like a you get the it, twins, like surgery I, down, yeah and I, down yeah. under mm-hmm. I'm like in pain like I like I I I'm so sorry I know you were numbed and I'm I'm sure you could not but I am I am cringing so much right now yeah I and think- I still like I still cringe in that same way mm-hmm. um I I relate to that like I I was pain for the most part like pain-free but it was like also weird pressures and stuff, but um, well, you but noticed, I still cringe. I, I just thinking this about is, it. This is what I don't understand. You noticed a pain that was not a normal. It was not a um, a contraction pain. Those are different. Mm-hmm. If if mm-hmm. a doctor or a nurse were to actually fucking listen to what you had to say and the pain that you were describing, they could have actually checked you out. Like so much can go wrong with your anatomy. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, Yeah. And so I think about that moment a lot too, because, and I didn't mention this before, but when I like that very first, because it kind of hit me like a wave because it was like my water broke and then the contractions were like, boom, painful to the point of like, I was screaming my head off and I was like, almost, there was like an inkling of logical thought that's just like, you're fucking embarrassing yourself like get a hold of yourself yeah I, oh my I god screaming. I had that I did that <laughs> <with Jeremy. laughs> no it's it true. Like, you get it's so yeah because but it's the thing is, is that it's almost like it's animalistic mm-hmm. it's literally to the point where your body just cannot handle it I mean that's at least that's what I had to the point where I was just and and you're so tired and it hurts so bad. It's so, it just, it, it overwhelms you. Yeah. But then there's still this part of yourself that's like, what, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. Like, just like, calm the hell down. Like, what okay. do you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are other people in the room. <laughs> so the, the first time that my midwife, I actually wanted to punch her in the face was when she was telling me like, you need to stop screaming. Like uh. you need to stop screaming. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. Cause I was like, probably going to pop like a vocal cord or something. Um, yeah. But you know, up, I wanted to punch her like, in the fucking sorry. face. Yeah. Like, like, aren't you trained in this? Okay. So Jesus. anyway, um, fast forward back to the operating table, my midwife, the other midwife saying, you know, I hope you weren't planning on having more children. Okay. What do you mean, bitch? <laughs> um, and she explained the rupture. And so then they were like, we have to do a hysterectomy. Oh, oh no. no. Oh my God. They're doing Were it you... right now, basically. So th- there was no other choice. They had no. to do that. They had to. It was like a it was to save my life. Because I, I mean, was like bleeding out. There's oh different ways to tell somebody. Like I I cannot believe that it her was words to you were well you know i hope you don't want i, I hope that you're going to stop you know that you didn't want any more kids like, how horrible it's just is a that? rude thing to say and like what we what you stated before they just don't have like 
hospitals do not have bedside manner. They just don't. And they're supposed to. You're supposed to have a certain amount. You know, you're dealing with real people with real feelings. And they act like because they deal with this every day that it's just like, oh, this is normal. Like, no, you just found out that you can't have any more kids. Like, that is not the fucking right way to say it. I'm sorry. Right. I feel like there's many that have bedside manners. I just feel also well, that in there's the Netherlands. a lot of them that are just no, like there are a lot there are a lot of no out here too. There's some have bedside manners and other ones just, you know, they obviously haven't been laid in at least a year. <laughs> and they're just bitter people. Yeah, and like get caught up in like doing things politically correct and by politically I mean like hospital policy. Yeah, You know, like, I think that they're just, they get wrapped up in that and they perhaps think that they're, since they're in a hospital, that they just have this safety net um, of like, you know, surgery and insurance and this kind of thing that they can just, yeah, I don't know. They that can they, fall back on. They get lost in something. Yeah. 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 It definitely feels like that in a lot of ways. Yeah. So. How, how, uh, can I, can I, did you, can I ask, did you want to have more children? I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. So it wasn't this soul crushing, like, oh my God, I wanted five kids and we bought a house with five bedrooms. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't life altering in that way because we had, um, you know, we, we, we own a house now and it's actually only two bedrooms. So my two kids share one room now. So that was our intention was just a small family, two kids. Um, you know, we were even thinking of what are we going to do to prevent, um, a pregnancy in the future? Like, are you going to get a hist uh, hysterectomy? Jesus. Are you going to get a, it's so it like buried a in your brain, <laughs> a vasectomy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, but I mean, I can understand that it's not like soul crushing because you didn't want to have it didn't want to have but the more way children. she said it i don't yeah. think it makes any less no but i'm just saying no matter what i mean having having to have a an emergency hysterectomy like that and then hearing it that way i don't think that it makes it any less horrific yeah it was almost like you could have just told me you didn't have to bring that other piece into it yeah yeah you know like why'd you have to remind me of that like i wouldn't have even thought of that probably. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's just a way of yeah. being an asshole. It's just, a, it's just a dick move. I'm sorry. Like it's I, a dick move. Yeah. And she was like, she was the midwife that was like, you know, kind of, um, she was like, I'm kind of rough around the edges. Like that was her, you know, that was her kind of like claim. To well, that I'm edge. so glad that you get to take care of me when I just had an infant. Yay! Like, thanks. <laughs> Jesus. I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, nurses are just assholes. Like the experience that I had after my daughter, I, I went through a cesarean too, and it was also an emergency cesarean. And, um, mm -hmm. all the nurses afterwards, like, cause I had, I, I won't get into the, the whole thing, but basically I started hemorrhaging after. Oh my God. And I, um, because of the, uh, what was it called? Sorry. I'm like totally like blanking. What is it called? The, um, epidural because of the epidural, my body was completely numb and they check you after a certain amount of time to see if your body starts to like, you know, go, get back to the normal, to its normal state. And like, if you're able to mm -hmm. move around, like move your toes and stuff. And it just wasn't doing that. Um, mm. so I wasn't actually contracting to, to get all the blood clots out and it pooled. And so I was hemorrhaging oh really bad and, um, I didn't have anybody there with me. So I was like, 
<laughs> by myself. And I remember there was a point where the doctor came in and then there were like six different like nurses with him and they were, you know, all up in my business and like and I didn't know what was happening no one was telling me what was happening oh my and then god this, the, yeah and this nurse just looks at me and she says can you is there anyone you can call and I I'm just sitting there like what the fuck do you even mean by that like is yeah there right that you call? call them bitch yeah <laughs> um, like, yeah but I, I I mean the fact that they didn't even like explain no they didn't what the fuck mm -mm. was going on and the I fact know. that they That's also horrible. you're you're awake uh-huh and they're not explaining to you like hey we have to you know give you a a depository like at least you know okay. that there's going to have a you know men are, get really pissed off if they have you know all Things. of a sudden a finger up their ass well, and they get really mm -hmm. upset like give me a warning well fuck you give me a warning too dude at yeah. least tell me yeah <laughs> i i didn't know that that's what it was called but um when like after that happened i had uh you know it's traumatic to 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 see that amount of blood to know that you were very close to you know basically dying mm -hmm. you you know almost yeah. you're almost there you're losing like I had to have a, a they wanted to give me a blood transfusion they ended up giving me an iron transfusion but I had like a bad reaction to that and so I just had oh a lot God. of like trauma because of you know what I experienced and I still had to stay in that hospital for like I think four days or something and mm -hmm. every time I felt what I thought was a pool of blood I I clicked the thingy to get the nurse to come in to check because I couldn't move and yeah. um, they were so frustrated and irritated with me. Like, they just did not want to deal with my bullshit because of my trauma. Like, they were like, they just kind of treated me like I was like a child who kept asking, like, can you turn on a light because there's monsters, you know? And I just oh don't think. Oh, my God. But that's. Yeah. That, you're not supposed to feel that way. But that's. They treated you. And now you feel, felt that way, which yeah. is wrong because it's their job to do the opposite of that, especially and particularly if you've experienced trauma because you are very much childlike after yeah. you've experienced trauma. Oh, I felt so um, scared. Like everything scared me after that. Like it was mm -hmm. and I can't I can imagine the same, you know, the same for you. Like e even though you didn't want to have children afterwards, like you probably experienced like, you know, just that like fear that anything can go wrong with your anatomy. Like you know. Yeah. And just like, if this happened, if this rare thing happened to me, what other rare thing is going to happen to me, you know? And also in those early postpartum days, you, you worry about SIDS and stuff like that. And oh, it's like, oh sure. my God, I couldn't even, I wouldn't even be able to have another baby if one of my babies died, you know, it's like yeah. really yeah. messes your brain up a lot. Yeah. I think that I mean, the the thing is, is that a lot of them say, you know, it's like, it's the 1%. It's the 1%. And I think that's mm -hmm. also something that um, our sister, Jennifer, is going to be on and she's going to you know be able to tell her story. But I think you constantly hear from people. It's like, oh, well, you know, only 1% of women or, you know, less than 1% of women go through this thing, go through this thing. But the thing is, mm -hmm. is like... It's actually one in four women. Mm -hmm. It's... But even like it's the fact of the matter is hearing that your um, uterus literally ruptured and to mm -hmm. think, OK, what could have happened? Like your baby could have suffocated. You could mm -hmm. have, um, you know, you could have passed away. And mm -hmm. the fact that you put yourself in the hands of professionals and it still could have happened. That is so scary. And it's not like. Oh, okay, you know, you have that person that will, you know, well, thankfully that, you know, it didn't happen, which is great. 
thankfully it didn't happen. It's just still like this traumatic thing of, oh my God, well, what if it did? What if mm-hmm. it, you know, I put myself in the care of somebody who should have seen it and it almost happened. So it's just, it's a terrifying thing. And I think that a lot of people don't understand that about trauma, that it just constantly comes back yeah. in everything. Yeah. So I, it really does. I had a question. So you said like you've been, I mean, basically immersing yourself in like all of this new information and um, you follow midwives and whatnot. If you could tell someone that's pregnant, um, signs to look for things, you know, like your personal advice, if you could look back and talk to yourself, like what would Mm -hmm. you? Yeah. Well, I would probably point out to my past self that like, your instinct is saying one thing and other people are saying another thing and you're letting other people now make decisions for you. So that's one thing that really sticks with me. It's like, you know, even if my uterus ruptured, um, because that was just my malfunction in my own body, but I still knew that I was fully autonomous and, and advocated for myself, I would have been more fine with it. It still probably, of course, would have been traumatic and everything, but I don't have the confidence now in hindsight that I did everything to protect myself um, because of, you know, because of a people pleasing thing that I have from other, other traumas in my life, exactly. childhood traumas, okay. fucked up family members. <laughs> I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah. Yo, it's like, I let other people make decisions for me because of a fucked up childhood that I had. And so I almost is like, I want to say like, deal with all of that first. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, I think... did you, oh no, go ahead, Matt. Oh, sorry. No, I well, I was going to say, like, did you – because I um, – okay, I was going to – it's kind of a – I had with my son, Jeremy, I had a um, kind of like a similar experience with you, like what you had with being induced. My body, like, couldn't handle it. My body yeah. just could not handle it. And yeah. so his, his body reacted right away. His heart stopped. Aww. And so – you had everybody running in. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And um, they they came running in. They finally told me, okay, what was going on. So they turned it off and they wanted to do, a, I wanted to do a C-section at first. And they were like, well, we think we can still, because his, his heart went back to normal. And they were like, well, we think if we give you this other thing to induce it, it'll, you know, it'll help. Mm-hmm. And to make a long story short, I was also just like stuck to the bed for hours and hours and hours. I mean, it was like, I think it was like 24, 25 hours. And, um, so with my daughter, with my daughter, I was like, I know what I want. I know that I don't want this. I know I don't want that. I know I don't want that. And I went in and I was extremely, extremely like, I'm going to add, I was very confident. I mean, I was very, very, very confident, Melanie. And I also, Melanie knows, I I also started um, to bleed out right after. Chloe's birth was, my daughter's birth was like super fast, Mm -hmm. super easy. But then I also started bleeding out. But you're not saying, like, you're not telling it in the way that, so it wasn't that she started bleeding out right away. Um, Yeah, I did. I I started bleeding. No, I did. I started bleeding out at the hospital. And they gave me. 
No, no, they did. They, I started bleeding out at the hospital and they gave me injections to stop bleeding, to, to like stop the bleeding, to like get your uterus to contract, I guess, yeah. to, to contract so it closes. Yeah. yeah. And then um, because it didn't work, the, the lady gave me a second shot, a second injection to get it to stop. And I guess they weren't allowed to give a second injection like so quickly. Oh, God. Oh, God. And so, yeah. So I just went home. And everything was fine. <laughs> and then that's what Melanie was talking yeah. about. So like we have midwives um, that come to your house out here in Holland for about, around eight days. Afterwards. Isn't that so nice? Afterwards. Could you yeah. imagine? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> yes. And the first one, like with, with Jeremy, the first one that I had was like, oh my God, she was she was amazing. I mean, she was freaking amazing. She taught me everything. She was super nice. She was super sweet. She just completely spoiled me. And then with the second one, I mean, I got one that was here, well, at my house for like two days and then she left and then I got a second one and I just, oh my, she was one of the worst people I've ever oh in my, oh my life. God, met. it's such a roll she, of the day situation, isn't it? She, yes. She was just awful and she was horrible. And like, after seven days, I kept telling her, like, I'm having problems with my back. Like, I can't get up. I, I like I literally couldn't move my legs. And she was like, just take an aspirin. Oh, my God. And so I just took an aspirin. And so then the <laughs> next day she was like, well, you know, I'm leaving. She just kept talking about this vacation that she was going on. And so my mother-in-law, she was um, taking care of my son at the time. And she said, you know... I think that she might have a piece of placenta like left in her with the pain that she's having and the amount of blood yeah. that she's having. And yeah. the woman goes, no, 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 no. She just needs to have, you know, she just needs to have a, a, a you know, an aspirin and, and she needs some rest. <laughs> and she left, she left early that day and she left me alone. So my mother-in-law was just out with my son to the store to get me pads because I was bleeding so bad. And she was like, well, you know, I finished, um, I finished the cleaning. I checked you and I checked the baby. Everything's fine. So I'm going to go. And I was like, totally out of it. Cause I had been bleeding for days or oh my God, and, and yeah. a massive amount. And I had bled at the hospital. So I was like, okay. So I'm laying on the bed. I have no, idea. I had no idea at that time. They told me later there was a, there was already like a massive amount of blood on the bed already. I did not know that. I just got oh up God. and went and sat behind my computer and like said hi. I think it was to mom or something. And then I on like on Facebook or something or on um, MySpace. I can't remember. I got up and the next thing I knew, like my entire body felt like I was floating. And I like look down and it's just this gigantic waterfall of blood, just like oh my God. pouring That's out of my so body. Scary. That's so scary. Yeah. But I think I had a, thankfully it was, it's kind of crazy. Some things that just happened because I, I didn't think not one single time to call 911. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I called my father-in-law and he heard me like passing out on the phone. And in my eyes, I wasn't passing out. I was just telling him like, I'm losing a lot, a of, lot blood. of blood yeah and he had no car because my mother-in-law was at my house so he got on his bike and like pedaled like his that. ass off to get to my house and I called the I called my mother-in-law she didn't pick up and then I called the midwife who is 
one of the other ones who I, I knew and she was like an angel. She was literally just a street away and knew exactly where I lived. She knew my voice. She knew everything. And she came. And at first I couldn't like get to the door. So she called um, the fire department, fire department. Oh my and then I finally got to the door, like crawling. So she, mm-hmm. she was, she could say, you know, she called the fire department off, but she, I, I, I opened the door and she was like, oh my God. So she called 911 right away. And, um, I was sent to an, I was with, I was sent, I, I went with the ambulance to the hospital. Um, and when we got there, they were taking out like gigantic, I mean, like fist kidney sized blood clots. And it turns out that the second they shouldn't have given me one of those shots in the first place to like close up my uterus. But the second one made it where it just started to, um, how do you say that Melanie? Like, um, hemorrhage, like it started to hemorrhage, but from the inside. Yeah. So it just, it was just building and building and building. And that's why my stomach wasn't going to, that's why my stomach wasn't going down. That's why I couldn't feel my legs at certain times because it was pressing up against nerves. And so they sent me, um, they took me to uh, the OR and I was in um, the ICU for um, a while. And you, you they did the blood transfusion for you, right? Because yeah. you lost like, yeah. how much? I, forget I what... lost, um, they said that I lost around four point something liters. So I pretty much lost almost all of my that I had you know your blood Mm -hmm. that I'm a very small person so they put it like okay so it was I felt like when I got out I don't know how you felt and I know that Melanie had the same you're so tired Mm -hmm. and you can't move and you I mean I spent I think it was like a week and a half in the hospital with a week and a half two yeah a week and a half with Chloe um, she was there, thankfully with me, but I yeah, felt, and I, there. I did get to bond with her. It's not that I didn't get to bond with her. It's just, it felt so much differently than with Jeremy because I was so out of it. I could barely move. Yeah. You so didn't have tired. anything left in you to bond. Yeah. With. And you, yeah. And it was just such a horrible traumatic experience. I had a very hard time with the trauma. Like I, 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 I finally went, I think it was like after two or three months, I finally was like, okay, I need to go to therapy. So yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. in therapy for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you end up going to therapy or did you have like somebody that you could at least talk to about it? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I am so sorry for that horrific experience. Um, because that is, just again it's like it just comes down to one person sometimes and you've done all of the work and you've done all of the advocating and like some careless person and then what are you supposed to think because like you said you know I didn't think to call 911 because you're out of the it. person you trusted told you that <laughs> nothing was wrong with you. You just need an aspirin. Exactly. Just take an aspirin. It's okay. Yeah. Just take an aspirin. <laughs> call us in the morning. Like just take an aspirin. Yeah. You know, sniff some <laughs> essential oils and you'll be fine. Oh my it's 
it's true though. It's 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 awful. Like and you know if you I think my at least my thing is um and I I think that's also it's like a gaslighting thing cuz you feel Oh yeah. You know something is up. Exactly. and I later on I I I was very angry. I think for the most part, I just got very angry and I, um, I ended up, oh shit. How do you say that in English? A klacht. A klacht in Dina. Hoe zeg je dat nou? Dat weet ik niet hoe dat het in Engels zegt. Really, Melanie is absolutely the most amazing person when it comes to that because she never knows the English word either. I never know anything. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I've lived I, here like, I don't know, almost like 15 years and, and I only remember I a little bit of Dutch. So When I, I ended up, um, how do you say that? When you, <laughs> damn it. It's okay. Just, when you. Can you describe when it? You, how do you say it's just I'm thinking of one word and I can't think and I, I don't I know the English word I can't do think wanna, of it do you want to I ended up calling the company I ended up calling the company and writing them a letter and writing them an email in which I oh com- complaint thank complaint. you yes. okay yeah I put in a complaint and I was just very angry and I think um you know they they did the hospital took my complaint very, very seriously, Ooh. very seriously, because the woman, one of the the girls, the nurses um, who uh, took out my placenta, she didn't show it to me. So she and she was also I, I felt kind of bad for her. She was also very young, but she was also very snooty. Um, when I asked if I could see the placenta, she was very snooty and she's like, I already showed it to you. And I was like, I don't remember. But at that moment, you're thinking like, okay, well, you know, maybe I just, you you just had birth. So maybe you just gave birth. So, okay. Like maybe she did show Ugh. it to me and I just didn't, yeah. I wasn't paying attention. And, As if us women aren't like apologetic enough and we right? have to be like, oh, okay. Especially hey, nurse. This, this is what I don't understand is like uh, other women. Like, I feel like we get shit on so much and then we have these other women that are just as bad as like some totally, you know what I mean? I I don't understand that. We are, we, we shouldn't hate on each other. We should like lift each other up and we should always like be there to support one another, especially when you're going through something like birth, because it's such a sensitive, vulnerable situation in which like, you know, this stuff happens. Exactly. And like, this is a big moment in our lives. And to them, it's like a day at work. Yeah, I don't. That's the thing, though. Like they give they give all nurses Mm -hmm. such bad names, all midwives such bad names. And I think it's so sad because there are really good ones out there. Absolutely. I owe my life to one. (laughs) Like I was just (laughs) extremely happy that she was just down the street and remembered my name and remembered where I lived. Because if she didn't, I might not be here today. So I owe my life to one. It's just that I had another one who literally, if I would see her today, I would probably strangle her. Like it's just the way that it is. She knew. And the thing is, is that when I was in the ambulance going to, because my my mother-in-law got there right around the time, right after the ambulance came and asked did my father-in-law so they all kind we all they all kind of got there at the same time my mother-in-law was in the ambulance I don't remember much of it I do remember them like um asking me questions and me kind of going in and out Mm -hmm. and my mother-in-law remembers them like slapping me and like trying to get trying to get me to you know like 
wake you up, stay with them. Yeah. yeah kind wow. of like stay with them and like screaming at me and her wow. screaming at me. I don't remember all of it, but I, they were asking, um, they had, my mother-in-law said they had the booklet. So like when out here with, when a midwife comes to your house, they have a booklet just like how you guys have in the hospital that a nurse has to sign off. Like what is her, um, what's her heart rate like at this moment? What is her temperature rate at this moment? What is like, so how does her uterus feel? Cause I, they check your uterus to see if it like goes down, you know, mm-hmm. she, this midwife that I had had the last four days at my house never signed the booklet. Yeah. So she knew you know what I mean? She knew something was up because I and she just wanted to go on her vacation. Yeah, that was it. That's Jesus. all her thing. She was just like, I fucking want to go to Spain. Well, bitch, I want to go to Spain, too. You know, <laughs> Give me the chance to do that later on. Did she, did she ever check your like, do you remember her checking your uterus at all? Like just to see if the sizing went down at all? Yeah, she did. I remember her um, checking my uterus and telling me that, um, that it was, I remember her check. Well, okay. The thing is, is that I had a midwife and then I also had, um, what do you call that? A stachiera. So like a student with her. Okay. Yeah. And it just happened to be Tabitha's, our, our youngest sister's, um, best friend from Holland. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it was very, very cute. Like to see her when she was what, like 19, I think she was. So yeah. she was a student and she was asking her, like, isn't it, she was asking her, how is it possible that yesterday her uterus was, because I think they check it from like the belly, like down. So that she was like the day before it was three and today it's two. So it, it had like, my uterus was just getting bigger. Yeah. And the woman told her, and this is what she told me later, because I, I heard them talking about it. It's just that I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't, I know. I don't think I was out of it at that moment. I think mostly I just, I mean, you're just busy with other stuff. You're not really paying attention to like medical blah, blah, blah. You know, like as long as they're acting as if nothing's wrong, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking nothing's wrong. Yeah. They're like the flight attendant, right? It's like, yeah, exactly. So she was just being very blase about it. Like, oh yeah, like it happens sometimes. And then the next, that morning when she checked my heart rate, it was very high. I do remember her saying that, like she was checking it. And then I remember her like saying like, go sit down and then I'll check it in a minute again because the it, it's just super high. And the reason why is because you're walking around, you're busy. Like, well, duh, like that's what a person does. I'm a human. <laughs> so she made <laughs> and me I should sit be able down. To. <laughs> right? Like it's been like eight days. So excuse me. <laughs> yeah. She so- made me sit down and then she came over to me. She checked my heart rate again and it hadn't gone down, but she didn't say anything, but she also didn't write it down in the booklet, which is like, this person knew something was up, but she was just so like zoned in on what she wanted to do. She did not, she didn't pull anybody by the hand and be like, Hey, come, can you please come and look and check with me because this is not right. Yeah. She just let it happen. And of course, and that's what I'm trying to say. Like everybody's like, well, oh, you know, like it, it only happens one in every so many women. But the problem is, is, Hey, just because it only happens once every it's, it's better to be safe than sorry. And I'm sorry, but when a woman like Victoria is sitting there screaming her head off, it's not, 
always just be if somebody that's screaming their head off during childbirth is not always just because it's you know somebody that is being dramatic or it could be an actual serious problem and i hate the fact that they're just like you need to calm down like you need to stop you right. hurt yourself you just like, wonder like what all the training is for it's like you had to have been trained in in all of this and recognizing things and ethics and and morals and saving people's lives. That's the whole point. Why'd you get into this work? Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, it just seems like some of these people just seem so jaded about their job. And it's like, yeah. I, I understand that getting uh, from what I hear online, it's pretty easy to get your <laughs> nursing degree. Um, but like, you should you shouldn't do it unless you actually fucking care about people and the you know, the place that you're working, like don't don't do that to yourself or other people because these, mm -hmm. you, you know, Amanda's life was in uh, this person's hands. And I just feel like, I just feel like I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand why people go into these jobs yeah. and they get so, it's just, you can't afford that, you know? I wonder, do you know if they could have seen your um, rupture if they did a ultrasound? Because I know that I know that you were saying I was literally um, thinking about that too. Well, the thing is is that I know that when you okay, so when your water breaks, right? They mm -hmm. don't want to um they want to like minimize bacteria as much as possible. So I know that right. they don't like check you whenever cuz they they did the same thing with me with Chloe. They were like, "Well, you know, we're we're only going to check you when we really really need to." But that being said, like couldn't they have seen something on an ultrasound? Yeah, I don't know if there could have been some some red flag like right then and there that would have then gone into like a certain protocol of like, oh, okay, so are you feeling this? Are you feeling that? Like, um, and let's get, yeah, an ultrasound in here or something. And they, I don't know if it would have to be like internal or if they could even just do it right on the belly. I was or... going to say, like, I feel like they should have been able to do it just on your belly. And, you know, they, they, sh like I said before, like you were having pains that weren't just contraction pains. Yeah. It felt beyond that. Yeah. It felt like way beyond And that. I think you even said like, it felt like a tear or like it was like on your side or something. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, those are signs that something's wrong. It's not a contraction pain. Like that's something, that's something else. Um, and it's just a precautionary thing. Like if they just take extra steps to make sure that their patients are well taken care of, everything's running the way that it should be, then it would be fine. Mm-hmm. One thing, sorry. Uh, one thing that I am really confused about is why are they doing things like testing for Down syndrome and testing for diabetes and testing for strep B and like doing all of these tests to make absolutely sure everything is like going smooth. And then as soon as the woman's like, hey, something feels like it's not going smooth. They're like, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah. <gasps> Thank you. That because that is sense. definitely... It doesn't. And that is something that our sister is constantly saying now, Jennifer. Like, yeah, it's so weird to me. As a woman and as a mother, as a pregnancy, you know. You just and know. Yes, there are times when you're worried and you're like, hey, look, I'm worried about this. Can you just check it? Mm -hmm. But there are also times where you're just like, this is not right. And yep. you can bang on as many doors as you want to, and nobody will listen to you. 
Exactly. And and that's that's women in healthcare in general. I was so I was just messed about to up. say like but it's yeah. It's it comes down to like little things too. Like I know I talked to Amanda about this before and I'm sorry if this is disgusting to bring up, but I had a staph infection in my leg and it bubbled up terribly and it was it felt like I got shot in the leg. And the first time I went to, you know, get it checked out, um they did an ultrasound on my leg just to see if there was any like fluid or anything in it. And um, the doctor was basically like, no, there's nothing. But I could feel and I knew <laughs> that it was full. So she was like, well, I'll give you some I'll give you some medication, you know, some um, an- antibacterial uh, medication. It should go down. Well, I took it for the seven days. It never went down. And the reason why it never went down is because she didn't take out what was in it, which I knew. Oh, my God. That it ha- yeah. So I had to go back again. And surprise, surprise. Yeah, exactly. And I had to go through this process without any pain medication at all they had to like cut my leg open and drain it and all I keep thinking is I told her that I saw fluid that there was fluid in it and if if she had just listened to me the first time I wouldn't have this gaping (laughs) I wouldn't have had this gaping (laughs) hole in my leg that I'm I'm, I've got a huge scar now like you didn't have to go through your fucking surgery had they just listened to you in the first place like it just it comes down to them just assuming that they're right and not listening yeah. to what the patient's right. actually saying. Sorry about yeah. how gross that was, but I, it just makes me think. No, it's, it's simple thing. It's true, a, though. It's a simple, it was just a staph infection. It could have gotten taken care of like like that, but no. Right. They had to make it into a huge thing, and now I have a scar. <laughs> right. I think, I think that Victoria's right, though. It's mostly like women, and I think that um, Jennifer, our sister, was making a TikTok. It, ma- it made me laugh. She made a TikTok about, um, you know, everything that happened to her and her saying, you know, that she, as a as a woman, like, we don't get listened to. We're, all, we're, we're very often seen as, um, you know, oh, like, just over, over-dramatic mm-hmm. or, or overly, um, overly anxious, overly fearful, overly this. And it made me laugh so hard because there was a dude, there was just a guy <laughs> and he reacted underneath her TikTok and said, next time that, and first of all, it was absolute horror to kind of like dismiss what it was about the entire oh my god thing. I feel mad already <laughs> he said next time that you're talking to a doctor just be more um assertive like with yourself and just try like thank you for mansplaining it dick fuck that's what oh we're trying god. to say that, yeah exactly Yo. that we are <laughs> we're telling you what's up that it's- is mansplaining in a nutshell and it's also it's like it's not only mansplaining, but it's like, this is how far-fetched it is because this is like not how we're supposed to be treated. No, not at but all. That's, that's what it is. So I, men are like, oh, well. Um, it must be you then. It can must I, be you. Can yeah, I just like, say, I, I honestly think it's people and p- people in power because, you know, I think about doctors and, and when we're talking about doctors and like women, like the doctor that dismissed me was a woman. She was a woman doctor, and I think it's just like yeah. I think it's yeah, like the talked. position they they help they have, and then they just assume that we're ignorant, you know. Yep, and I was very shocked about that too. And I talked to my friend about this, and I said these were women, you know, these were women, these weren't men. And she said women are misogynistic too. Yeah, they are. And I'm like, wow, that's so true. That's yeah, very true. And I think again, like it definitely has to do with like we view each other in a certain way. Like, 
um, women view each other in a certain way and a woman in power even more so, you know, mm-hmm. and I just like, yeah. I, I don't know the right terminology for it, but it's just really frustrating because, you know, you would think that a, a woman in power could provide so much for women that are not. I so think true. in the medical field, I really do feel like people, um, women and men who are in the medical field, or no, I'm not going to say men in the medical field because, okay, so I think that women in the medical field look at other women as if we pull the victim card way too soon, mm-hmm. if as if we are being dramatic for no reason. I, okay, so <laughs> Melanie knows this. I have a herniated disc at this moment. I called the doctor and I was like, this is weeks ago, I was like, I am in like horrible withering pain. I have, I, I have thrown my back out on multiple occasions. This feels different. And they gave me medication and it just didn't get any better. I was just like, this is not working. Just take aspirin. Yeah. (laughs) Just take aspirin. (laughs) It got to the point where my husband was like, something is up. I could, I, I was crying when he would move the blanket like that. It was that bad. So yeah, he called and he was like, something's up. And it was, it was a woman. It was the doctor's assistant. It was a woman again. And she was like, that's normal for somebody who has thrown their back out. So tell her to take more aspirin. Oh my God. (laughs) Thank you very much. So I ended up going to the doctor, right? I end up, I end up calling and I'm like, this has been going on for days. I need, and thankfully because of the heavy medication that I got subscribed, the edge got taken off, but it was still pretty bad. I ended up going to the doctor and now I have a male doctor who has known me for years. And he's like, so did you do anything to like throw your back out? I'm like, not really. And he's like, well, what, what were you doing? Um, when you threw your back out. And so I told him like, while I was sitting and right before that, I had just, um, I was just picking up like bales and boxes that were like, I don't know, around 45, 50 pounds, like a bunch of them. And he like looked at me and he goes, you? Like, (laughs) uh, yes, me. Oh, well, no wonder why you like, no wonder why you have a herniated disc. Like that's, excuse me, sir. I've been doing this for at least a year and a half now. And you're going to sit there and tell me that that's why I have a herniated disc. I don't think so. (laughs) Then I would have had one a year and a half ago. But if a male was sitting right here right now and telling you that he was picking up bales and boxes that were 45, 50 pounds, you would not be telling him, oh, well, that's why you have a herniated disc. Mm -hmm. That's just so stupid. it's stupid. And I'm like, it's so dumb that a woman, I'm telling you right now, if a woman heard that, she would be like, oh, okay. So, okay. So they, they look at you differently. Like they, women in power and especially in the medical field. Yeah. I'm going to say, I, I truthfully, I truly, truly, truly have a lot of respect for them. A lot of them. Cause I think they're badasses. Certain Certain ones. ones. (laughs) I, I think they're badasses. But I think some other ones are just fucking awful. And they just look at us like we are these tiny little, you know, girly little things that are just being overly dramatic. And I think that needs to stop. Um, Yeah, I totally agree. 
Victoria, I had um I had a question for you about like how like recovery after mm -hmm. your hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, just basically like how like like how was the recovery for you? Like what what happened? Like what did you have any issue? Have you had any issues since then or? Yeah. So um, when I woke up from the surgery, so I was in surgery for uh, nine hours. Um, wow. And I was separated from my son that whole time. That's a long time and to be away from your newborn. It's it's so long, and it created a horrendous bonding experience for her, for him and I. Yeah. So yeah. in recovery, you know, I was dealing with a lot of that. There was like a, a, the heaviest amount of grief o over not being able to bond with my baby, and like looking at him and knowing, like I cannot believe this is my reality yeah and so um we were in the hospital for a total of a week because he also had really bad jaundice so he had to like we had to deal with his jaundice which yeah. I'm like yeah he probably did have jaundice because of everything that was happening while he was inside of me you yeah. know yeah and, um that doesn't shock it, me at all yeah my, Kaylin right. had jaundice right away too um, yeah, and I think jaundice is – I don't know if this is um, scientifically proven, but I've heard somewhere that Pitocin and, and jaundice are connected. I, I can um, – I believe that. Really? Yeah, because your your uterus is just contracting in a way that's synthetic and your baby's being, like, pushed up against Yeah. with, with these contractions. Jeremy so, had uh, jaundice too, so that – Okay. Okay. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. That's yeah. Just, oh, and not to okay. say like people who don't have Pitocin won't have a jaundice baby, but I don't know. It was just, again, a mama instinct thing. Yeah. Um, so I finally woke up, we were in the hospital for a week and being cared for in the hospital was like, okay, I think I'm like doing okay. I think I'm doing okay. Um, because I had a really good team of nurses. So I, I was lucky in that sense, like yeah. all the caretakers, who are sort of under the doctors and midwives, they were like, oh my God, I can't believe what happened to you. Like, so they were taking care That's of so me. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm feeling good. But I left the hospital and I thought the worst was going to be behind me, but it wasn't. And I had, I had to go to EMDR therapy for my um, flashbacks had, and panic attacks. She, I had this, I'm not laughing. I'm not <laughs> Sorry, laughing at you, Victoria. I had, no, I know. It's probably because you had to do it too, right? <laughs> I had EMDR, and I actually just started again today. And I was tell I was trying to tell Melanie about something else. I'm starting about what, this is this is childhood trauma that I'm having to get through now. But yeah, um, because it brings up childhood trauma too. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, like I thought I, you know, I thought I not even barely it down I really did work I thought I overcame a lot of that childhood stuff and yeah. man EMDR is very um I was trying to explain it to Melanie today like I was so drained after my session and I was telling oh, her yeah. like I'm, I'm gonna have to try to but it's I don't I think a lot of people I I think EMDR is a great therapy but I also think that a lot of people don't understand exactly how intense it can be how was it for you did you I would describe it as being in like kind of like a movie where having like these out of body experiences during the EMDR where I was very much like there and engaged with my therapist, but there was like this 
you know, because you have to, like, be in the traumatic moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the moment that I chose was the moment where um, – so I didn't really talk about this, too. So the midwife was like, you have to have a hysterectomy. And then everyone – well, my husband and baby left the room, and then a bunch of people ran in. And the doctor was like – they had to call some doctor in from the other part of the hospital because he doesn't have anything to do with OB, but he does, like, you know, sh- like little old women hysterectomies. Oh, man. Oh, God. So he, like, gets called over to maternity – and he's like, I need everyone to be quiet. You know, I'm like freaking the fuck out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm dying right now. I am dying right now. And, you know, I was like fighting to keep my eyes open because I could feel they either gave me another kind of drug or more of the fentanyl or, you know, because I was like starting for the blood loss. It's probably, um, pro- I was just yeah. about to say it's probably, it the, is blood- probably the blood, yeah. blood loss. Yeah. yeah, because that will make you drowsy. Like I had the same problem when they were bringing people in. I was so out of it. Yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm drifting off and I need to fight to keep my eyes open yeah. and because um, I'm, I'm dying. If I close my eyes, I won't. That's what I thought. If I close my eyes, I, I won't wake, wake up. up. That's such oh my a, God. Yeah. I, I felt the exact same way when I was hemorrhaging. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just the worst feeling in the world because now you have babies and it's like, ugh. yeah, Amanda was just saying that like when she went through what she did, like the biggest thing for her um, during this was like during that thing was, you know, I, I have two babies. Like, how am I supposed to take care of the or who's going to take care of these two babies if I pass away? Like, what will happen to them? You know, and so you're not even thinking about yourself. You're just thinking about these children that you brought into the world that you want exactly. so desperately to like watch grow grow up and you don't have any control. You have no control. Yeah. And like they don't deserve they just don't deserve any yeah. of that. Um, yeah. So I so so eventually I did pass out. And while while I was out, they intubated me and I had a blood transfusion. And um, what was the other one? Oh, a catheter. I had a catheter for two weeks. Oh, um, oh my God. Yeah. So um, so back to recovery. Um in, in those EMDR sessions, it, that was the moment that I would kind of travel to. Um, and it helped five sessions of EMDR. Like they made my panic attacks pretty much go away. I was having really, really horrible or rather, no, it was the flashbacks. It helped with the flashbacks. So I was like flashing back to that moment a lot, especially while I was nursing my son Mm -hmm. And so it was really horrible to like try and, you know, well, not only feed your baby, but bond and like try and cope and process what happened and um, only to then be triggered and then go off into this alternate universe of like, you're not even here. You're in that body on that operating table. Right. Yeah. And so the EMDR like made those go away, which is amazing. Um, But I still was dealing with panic attacks. So I went back to therapy. I'm a big believer in therapy. I've been in therapy. Yeah, I love therapy. Um, And so I was like, you know, I'm just going to do a different therapist because that was one thing I thought about. I was like, well, this, this, therapist I've been seeing before having kids has been so great for me but she was like my pre-child therapist I want to kind of I want someone who doesn't know that part of me and is like in this just this trauma like let's start from here and like help me cope with this so I saw 
So I saw a different therapist and she was really great. Um, and now I even see someone weekly. So I'm on, I'm on a weekly therapy schedule. Um, December 16th will be three years that this happened. So I'm coming up on an anniversary. Yeah. We were talking Um, about that. I'm actually so like proud proud of you, like, you know, talking about it and actually coming on to a podcast and sharing your story with us of all people. Like, I I mean, I, I obviously like, I'm, I'm very happy that, um, you're on this with us, but I just, you know, telling your story, especially something that's so traumatic, like it's, it's very vulnerable. It's super vulnerable. Yeah, I think I appreciate that. Um, it's also really therapeutic. Um, yeah, and there's someone out there who feels really, really alone. And so I, I try to use my, my platform, at least for Instagram. Um, my mama with trauma account actually started as my business account because I'm a massage therapist. Um, and so I have that <laughs> as my, my, I know, right, as my business account. But then COVID hit and I closed practice and I'm like, not doing that right now I'm, I'm home with the kids and trying to get like virtual learning um you know that shit show off the ground um yeah yeah and it's, it's a mess I totally understand yeah, how that is um I, I had one other question um sorry to yeah. derail you if you had if you had a thought but no you know you're talking about you know you'd have these flashbacks while you were breastfeeding um your son and I had that same issue and actually um held a lot of stress when I was breastfeeding my, my daughter. And I think that's, uh, a reason for her. She, she didn't really breastfeed for very long. And she, she only liked one breast over the other, um, Mm -hmm. because I would sit in a way that was comfortable. Uh, and I wasn't always so stressed when she was on one side and the other side though, like I held a lot of stress and I was wondering, like, did you have any issues breastfeeding him because of the stress? Like, did he, did he feel that at all? So that's a very, very interesting question. And it completely sort of, um, yeah, taps into my breastfeeding experience with my son because my daughter, like I said, I was able to put that behind me because we bonded perfectly fine. I healed and she latched and nursed beautifully. And it was like, I didn't, it was one of the most rewarding experiences was nursing her. And then I would have given up my right arm to not have to nurse my son. Um, however, he was probably super traumatized too. And, um, he would, he wanted my boob in his mouth just all the time. He wanted to be, he wanted to be attached to me again. Um, and so it created like, not only that grief of like, I, I'm not enjoying this. I'm not bonding with you you're super needy, like my son being super, super needy. And I had nothing to give him. I had nothing. I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is, this is bad. Like it it just brought me to such depths of, of darkness. Um, And you probably feel like guilty too, because you don't want to feel like you're looking at your child, like you're needy. But when you, you know, of course you had that that experience with your daughter so you kind of knew what like what it, it felt like. To like yeah exactly yeah. and so you could feel the difference like I I didn't have that my I actually was so happy and excited to breastfeed my daughter because she really like not that she didn't latch well or that she didn't enjoy it it was just um I, she she just weaned off so fast she was just she was just mm-hmm. done so quickly she she made that decision for herself <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and yeah. I think um I think for me I just didn't have I just didn't have the like 
the bonding experience um, that I really truly wanted with her. And so that's what yeah. I was asking. And I think a lot of it has to do with stress and like, and, and guilt, you know, that you feel. Yeah. A lot of guilt, a lot of like, um, despair is mm-hmm. a word I use to describe it is because I was just, I was in so much despair. It was, um, one of the saddest experiences and moments to be in. Cause it was even like, I know I'll get better. Hopefully I'll get better. Hopefully I can survive this. Yeah. But, um, to be in it is, is, is really a trip. It's a trip. Yeah. Um, I think it's sad because it's not something that a lot of that gets talked about. It's a lot of, I think now there's finally, you know, people are starting to talk about, you know, postpartum depression and, and, um, PTS, uh, PTSD, like because of birthing stories or because of horrific um, pregnancies or, but because no I one wants to hear about a horrific pregnancy. That's what everyone, it is. everyone wants to like, oh, you just had a baby. Like, uh, you know, give me the, the, the tiny portion of when the baby was born and everyone was happy and everything was perfect. Yeah. And it, yeah. that's and not what that- it is. No. And I think a lot of the times it's like you have a person that is wanting to get pregnant or that is pregnant. And then you get these looks from other people like, don't talk like that. Like, don't say, don't talk about those things. But you know what? It's life and it happens. And I think mm-hmm. you get shut up. And yeah. it's, it, that doesn't work. It's just, and I think that, okay, they have a saying out here in Holland. I was about to ask um, you about it. Yeah, it's called, um, well, they say that um, while pregnant, a woman has one foot in her grave. Oh, wow. Um, and it's it's it, it's a horrible saying, actually, when you think about it. And they don't mean it in a way of, oh, you know, like so morbid. You. Yeah. But it's, it's not a morbid. They're just trying to say when a woman is pregnant, um, there are a multitude of things that can uh, hurt her or her baby. Yeah. And so you need to be wary of them and just, um, you know, know that it can happen. And it sounds, I know that a lot of people are like, oh, when I first heard it, I was like, I don't want to hear that. Like, don't say that to me. Like, but that's it, awful. It, I is, don't, it is very but important to understand that when you, when you get pregnant, a lot of it is just not in, not in your hands anymore. And mm-hmm. it, and you were talking before about whether or not you wanted to go to a hospital or if you wanted to do an at-home birth and like I think that's those are things that are very important to think about and and to research 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 and you know just because a hospital seems like the perfect place to go because you have this team of people that you think will help you it might not be the right place Mm -hmm. for you because yeah they don't always have your best interests they do not and exactly I mean I personally believe if I if I could go back, I might have a midwife at home because I just don't trust hospitals anymore. Like that's just my per- that's me personally. Yeah, I don't either. And now to rely on doctors for like the rest of my life, you know, yeah. for like other things, like if I were to get sick or or like anything, literally anything, if I broke my arm, I I'm not going to like, I'm not gonna listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't trust. I don't, I have a hard time trusting hospitals, doctors, um, because yeah, obviously because of yeah. the experience. I think you have to hold like a healthy amount of like, of just, you know, what is, how do I want to word this? You need to know what you, you can take care of and what you need a doctor for. 
And right. I, I think a lot of it comes down to research. So like, for example, I'm, I'm doing a lot of research on herbs and whatnot, and I'm not super holistic, but I do believe that there are things that you can, um, help with, you know, hol- holistic, uh, uh, remedies and, and, and herbs and those kinds of things. And like, you know, we made the joke about like the, um, essential oils, like there are <laughs> things that you can, that can help for sure. Um, but you still need doctors for specific things. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's just like balancing what you, what you know and, and what you don't know. And I think when it comes to like the, the birthing process, like that's why you have midwives. And I just think you need to like really research and, and make the best choice for you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I actually just had a whole rant on my Instagram page with this that I like recorded myself driving on a rant because someone posted don't tell pregnant women your birth horror stories. It was like a meme oh, um, that was being I mean. around. Yep. And so I went on this whole rant um, where I was like, I have something to say about this. <laughs> um, I agree with the piece of what the intention probably was in that you don't just walk up to a pregnant person who you know or or don't know and like, oh my God, you're about to have a baby. Oh my God, this is what happened to me. And it yeah. was, you know, because the details, like the details in my story aren't going to matter for anyone else because it literally will not happen to anyone else. Yeah. And so we get lost. The point we're trying to get across gets lost in the details because it's like, whoa, that happened to you, but it won't happen to me. But I think that maybe we should start focusing on what were the lessons learned? Yeah, exactly. You know, the details were my details, but I, you know, embarrassingly enough, I did not know um, my own autonomy to to a point where it would have protected my, I would have protected myself in my own advocacy. Um, and that, you know, it's not the law. Hospital policy is not the law. And so you can say no. And so it's like mostly when I'm like, yes, I have a birth horror story. If you want to hear it, you can. And this is me talking to a pregnant person. (laughs) Um, if you want to hear it, you can. But what I will tell you at the end of the day is like, um, trust your instincts, um, get comfortable with saying no, uh, understand what autonomy means and like what coercion is and all these things. And, um, because why are you, why are you just going to inform yourself of the good stories? If you are, if you want to go into this thing, making informed decisions and all of this, well, don't you want to know about the bad shit too? And so I, was I think like, it's needed to know. It's so needed. I'm like, damn it, I will tell my story. And also the United States has really, really bad data surrounding maternal mortality and morbidity. I mean, oh, we have, totally. yeah, we have horrendous rates of, of women who are coming out injured like me or not surviving childbirth. And so it's like, Um, I didn't know that going into it. And so I wish that maybe I did know someone's horrible birth story so that I would have been like, oh, what's what's that whole world? And then it would have opened up the whole world that I'm in now of like, um, you know, understand what obstetric violence is. And um, and that coercion is even kind of lumped in with obstetric violence, Um, you know, and all of these things. So I totally agree with you. We have to we have to talk about all of the stories. And it's a little, it's scary because you don't want to, yeah, like if you're pregnant, you don't want fearful thoughts in your head. 
um, or anything like that. And so it's like, well, how do we dance that dance? How do we talk about these things without using fear-based language or just, you know, um, just igniting some kind of fear? I think you have to, when you're educating people, you have to talk about it like a journal, like a journalist almost like you, um, you just take, you take both sides and you evaluate them and you tell, you know, what the facts are. As long as Mm -hmm. you're telling the facts and their truth, then people can make their own educated decision based on how they feel. Um, the, the problem is that a lot of times people keep those facts away. Like you said, like the data is basically non-existent for, um, California or America in general. And, um, you think about like a, a woman passing away and you think like, oh, that's something that happens like during childbirth. You think that that's something that happens in a movie, but it's actually something that's very real. It does happen. And mm-hmm. it's more common than you think. Um, right. And, you know, if you knew that, if you had the facts in front of you, then you could make an educated guess. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Like everyone's going to have their own opinions. But if you can look at things in a factual in a factual way, um, then and then it just becomes, you know, what you decide on your own, like what the, that. Yeah, it becomes information. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. It's I, better than closing your eyes and hoping for the best. Exactly. Totally. Because that's that's blissful ignorance. And it doesn't always, you know, I would probably admit that I was maybe blissfully ignorant going into this whole thing. Like, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. See, that's the thing. This is the point I was trying to make, too. I thought nothing was going to happen to me. Bad stuff doesn't happen to people I know because I haven't heard the bad stories. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, now that I'm very open on my page with birth trauma, I get messages all the time. You know, I, I think people it's experience really, birth trauma all the time. Yeah. I think it's like very clever. I was actually going to comment on like how clever your username is on Instagram because it's it gets right to the point, you know, and I think yep. it's also an inviting thing like that's another thing is that uh, sometimes people seem uninviting. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. you don't know if you can talk to that person, but when you use certain words um, and you're open about things then you seem more welcoming. And I think that's like, I love that. I love being able to talk to people about experiences. And like, that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why Amanda and I created this podcast is because we want people to talk about their trauma we want people to be educated and to and to hear about different experiences because who knows you might have more people out there that did experience something super close to what you experienced um Mm -hmm. and exactly and that's you know that's the traumaraderie that's those are your people that you can talk to about your personal feelings and gain perspective and learn more does that make sense Totally. And in, you know, in my experience with the Instagram community in like the birth trauma, particularly um, community, um, I have felt the safest with some of these strangers, like these women who who I have become close with at this point. Yeah, I'm like, this is what it's supposed to be. It sucks that it took birth trauma for all of us to get together. But this is what it's supposed to be. And I have felt so uplifted and empowered by by these women who we just rally around each other. Yeah. And it's amazing. This is what it's supposed to be. I'm like, can we all just become like midwives? <laughs> like, I, this like, is what it's supposed to be. That's what I mean, though. I uh, like what I said before about like educating. I'm educating myself now on herbs and things. So that way I know what I can take care of. 
and and mm-hmm. and how these how these um herbs work um and what what I can use them with and so like I actually feel I'm so happy I started doing this because like I I have asthma. I didn't know that marshmallow root <laughs> could help with asthma. I had no idea. I could drink it in tea. Like, you know, you think, you think, um, I mean, I guess this is just me personally. Like I always thought that it was like just hippie bullshit and I hated it. I was like, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to like learn about those things. Cause it seems like super hippie ish. And I, you know, like I'm not the kind of person that like, um, was it says no to vaccines um, mm-hmm. you know, yep. I'm, 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 I'm pro therapy. I like, I, I do think that you need doctors for certain things, but I think it's such a good idea to just have knowledge about your surroundings and things that you personally can take care of. Does that, I don't, Absolutely. I don't know if I'm not, not using the right terminology for it, but yeah. Well, it's integrative, right? Like yeah. that's what integrative is. And, um, you get the best of both worlds. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I made fun of essential oils before too, only because I'm a massage therapist and I use them all the, all the time. They're amazing. And I know like why they get made fun of, but I'm almost like, yeah, no, I love essential oils. No, I and mean, herbs. they, but they can't, <laughs> that, that shit can't cure a broken arm. <laughs> you need to go, yeah, to that a shit doctor. can't cure a broken arm. Yeah, absolutely. Or a broken brain, you know, like I, yeah. I, um, oh, I forgot to mention this before too. I just started medication. I just started medication, um, this week, um, which is funny because you just did EMDR again this week. It's like, um, <laughs> I but, was actually yeah, going to say like, something. I'm so sorry to like interrupt you, but I was just about to say like how funny it is every time Amanda and I talk and have an interview with someone, it'll like have like connections of something that we talked about previously that day. It's like super witchy for me. And I'm just like, I love it. (laughs) I love it too. Yeah. It's like, well, that's weird. We are intuitive as, as women. Yeah. And especially we are super intuitive. And I think that's why we've become you know, like women are crazy. Well, we're not, we're super intuitive and we're super, um, transparent. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But you were Um, saying, I'm so sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. So I just started taking medication. I, um, I lasted, you know, three years of like, I think I can do this. I think I could do this without meds. And like, even having gone through such um, shit, it's like, why is there still such a stigma with, with meds. And I was like questioning that a lot. I'm like, why do I have such a hard time admitting that I might need medication? Um, and so finally I started taking an SSRI and I feel so good. I feel so good. Oh man. I'm so jealous. Like I need, I need medication so bad. We've, we've talked about it before uh, on the podcast multiple times. I I say, I, you know, I do, I say that I, that I love therapy. Um, but the reality is like, I've actually never had a therapy session that like went well. (laughs) I love, I love it for other people, other people, you know, talking about their therapist, like, you know I'm I'm just proud of other people for for doing that but personally I've never had like a good therapy session or a good therapist and I've also never taken medication that I that I enjoyed or that helped me so it's always good to like hear when it's it's good for someone like the fact that like you you're taking medication that's actually helpful like that just makes me so happy yeah it's been super helpful and um you know, it took, it took kind of a really low point recently where I was like, man, I thought like, why do I just keep slipping? It's like, I do all this work and I just keep slipping. Um, and it's just, it's your brain, it's brain chemistry. Um, 
and it's not it's not my fault um and one of my one of the uh something i saw that really resonated was your trauma is not your fault but healing is your responsibility right and i was just like wow um and you know i'm here with my kids i survived this event so why am i living in this i'm like wallowing in this like i can't focus I can't like, I'm not functioning, you know? Yeah. And like, I think that summer spark kind of went away for me too. Cause I felt really good this summer and I was like, okay, I'm in a good place. Oh but my gosh. I was I just, just thinking about like, do you have seasonal depression? I do. I do experience. Well, I'm in Vermont. And so it's like, we get all the seasons fully. And yeah. so summer is amazing. Fall is my absolute favorite. And then winter is cold and dark. Yeah, that's, I think that's especially tough. with COVID right now at the moment, like, at, like and seasonal COVID. depression oh is hitting God. very hard. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? I just I'm gonna I'm gonna just do it because I again, it's like, well, this horrible thing happened to me. Maybe some horrible side effect of medication is gonna happen to me too. You know, it's like you start questioning everything in life differently now because it's like, well, am I just do I have bad luck? Um, Am I cursed? <laughs> you know, like. No, it, I think um, I think it just comes down to you know you you might have guilty. I I know it sounds crazy, but you might have guilty feelings, or like the fact that you haven't gotten over it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally, like, totally. There's a lot of guilt about like, oh my gosh, I'm why can't I just get better? Why, why can't I, I just be, be able like, to have control? No, I have the same thing. Like you 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 blame yourself for not being the normal person that you want to be and Mm -hmm. oh my god yes it's not fair to do that to yourself I think like for me um I don't I don't have medication but something that really helps me is just accepting that like I that I am that way and that Mm -hmm. it's just it it's not gonna it's not gonna go away on its own it might not ever go away and just accepting that like it's part of who I am I I I had this trauma it's with me now um but you know, it doesn't define who I am and it doesn't have to define like how I live my life, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I need to eat. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hungry. I'm so sorry. But I think um, I wanted to just thank you so much, Victoria, for coming and, uh, and, and chatting with us about your story and taking the time yes. to talk to Amanda and I. Thank you and so we- much for having me. No, I think it's great that you like came on and told everybody because it's it like like Melanie said it's just very vulnerable, but it's also like absolutely these stories need to be told. They do, and um, you know, as we said, we're going to have another one. We're going to have an episode that is going to be kind of linked to this one um, with our sister Jennifer, and um, but. If you would like to follow Victoria on Instagram, her um, Instagram is Mama with Trauma. Yep. And are you anywhere else other than Instagram or? I just am on Instagram because, again, uh, uh, mental health and like bandwidth reasons. I'm like, oh my God, I can't handle more than one yeah. Instagram or social media site. But I do have a few. Uh, instagram handles so that's how i kind of disperse my attention that's yeah i have the same (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay well mama with trauma go follow her and um if you guys like this episode please rate review and subscribe always help 
And you can also find us on Instagram at Trauma and Melanie. Labs. <laughs> Thank you so much, Victoria, for first talking to us. And um, I'm definitely going to go follow you right now. So I just did. I, I, you know, it's so weird. <laughs> I thought we were following you on our regular account. And I'm just an idiot. I never followed you. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm super excited to have met both of you. Um, chatting with you was awesome. Yeah, you're and, so nice. Um, I was going to say, I, I want to send you something because I, I just made a spell jar for seasonal depression. So I'll send, ooh, I'll send you one oh if you're into that. Yes. <laughs> oh, I totally am. Well, actually, I have a whole like conversation now I have to have with you on the side. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I literally just I just think. Thank you, baby. I literally he just brought me in food. I'm so sorry. Um, I literally just added you on my my regular account, too. So hit me up. Yay. Okay. Well, thanks for talking about birth trauma too, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Amanda, I'll text you later. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's Tramaraderie.